Welcome to the Kevin and Fred Show. I am your host, Kevin Kaufman, and along with my business partner, Fred Weaver, we bring to you our podcast where we highlight some of the best and brightest in the real estate industry, along with a weekly segment called Industry Headlines. We are a proud member of the Industry Syndicate, family of real estate podcasts, and we are so glad that you are listening and tuning in today, and we hope you enjoy our show. All right, we are back on the Kevin and Fred show and today joined by my friend and man, long time wanted to be a guest for me, uh, Mr. Steve D. How are you doing, buddy? I'm doing good, brother. How are you? I'm fantastic, man. I'm so glad to do this. I know normally uh, I'm lucky uh, you and I get to hang out and talk and occasionally have a cigar, definitely talk about business quite a bit, but uh, in today's format, I get to put you on the hot seat, uh, from a podcast standpoint. So I'm excited for this, man. Love it. So Love it. Steve, you and I, gosh, I, I was thinking about this the other day, our paths first crossed here in Phoenix. And I want to say 2009, like, I, I'm not sure I'd even been in real estate an entire year or, or two years at that point when we had first, uh, uh, had our paths cross and you were with Fidelity Title at the time. And we, we were in the same rooms often and kind of just got to know each other and, you know, have seen this industry do so many crazy things for, for the people that don't know you yet, especially the way that I do give us the, give us the background on, on kind of your career. And I, I want to jump around and kind of history and time and some of the stuff you're doing now and some of the stuff you, you even did pre real estate, but give us for the people that don't know you yet, how would you uh, describe kind of your, your real estate career in, uh, in what you've done? You know, uh, for me, I've literally failed my way forward into all my gigs. So I wish I could say there was some mastery to it, but there really wasn't. So I, um, I was an average student, and, uh, but I went to college to play sport. I played basketball. And I went to a real uh, academic powerhouse. You've probably heard of it, California Lutheran University. It's in the top 2,000 schools, just so you know, if you're paying attention. I played basketball there and... Um, uh, I got an opportunity to play with the Lakers for 10 days in a tryout, and I was cut because I was not good enough, but I got an offer uh, the next week to go to Australia, where I lived and played there for 10 seasons. And so when I came back from Australia, my last couple of years, I was, I was uh, playing and doing a little bit with uh, business and real estate was prominent there because it was you know, starting to increase and elevate. When I came back to the Bay Area, my brother brought me back. He took a job with him where he... Uh, allowed me to be his director of sales for a internet-based communication company for realtors. High-end at the time, you know this, Kevin, in 2000, we were selling this thing for 300 bucks a month, which back then was like a car payment, you know? <laughs> and that was expensive, right? So only certain people could afford it, so the higher-end agents, so I did that. And uh, they were typical, missed the dot-com bubble, had $20 million, hired a story team. We did all these goofy things, bought buildings and of course, we're bankrupt in a year and a half, but I had a good client base. So I just started a consulting firm and I did that for two and a half, three more years and really built it up where I was representing some of the largest technology entities, selling to large elite teams and brokerages in the US. And uh, Fidelity bought my largest technology client and they turned around and bought my firm because we were the guys selling the most for that client. So I came to Fidelity in 2004, did a, a technology gig with them for three years, traveled all over the U.S. It was great, but just a lot of work. And then I said, I'm going to settle back into Arizona. So I became a sales manager here for Fidelity Title. And that's where you and I met. I think it was 2008, actually, we met. And that was in the midst of, I don't know, Kevin, the worst real estate you know, pandemic in the world. Yeah, <laughs> it was wild. Right now, 
right now you and I have only days of inventory, not two months or three months, but we have like 17 days of inventory. Back then, you know how many listings we had when you and I met? 36,478 in October of 08. On the MLS, we had 36,000 listings able to be bought. Can you believe that? I mean, there's not even a fraction of that available today. <laughs> I mean, it, it's, it's like, like 2300 now. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 crazy. So we did that and I was able to create some programs that engaged our banks who had all these listings with our agents who could help them liquidate them and support the consumer in the middle. And you and Fred were way ahead of your time, as you know, of being able to engage the short sale model, make it work, make it profitable, build a business out of it, which you did. And, and so we helped groups like that connect and create. And then I you know, took a regional job with Fidelity and then took a national job six years ago with them and loved it, but was, you know, we all have all this, I knew this when I was playing too. There's only so many jumps in your legs before your legs go, hey man, that's all I got. I was getting to the end of how many jumps I had in my legs too of being on a plane 210 days a year and running all over the place. I loved what I did for the company. I loved the company, but I just didn't want to do that anymore. And I was able to go do my own thing. And um, I've loved that. 14 months I've been in it. Great time to start during the other pandemic. But, but uh, I get to work with the best elite real estate teams in America with the most purchase-focused, customer-centric concierge lenders in America. And uh, we partner with groups like title companies and tech companies that also get to be in our ecosystem. We just build really good ecosystems, generate business for guys, and uh, get to pick and choose a little bit who we work with, which is a lot of fun. Enjoy it. That's awesome. You know, somebody, um, I, you know, it's, it was probably a friend of mine. I'm not, I won't say her name now, uh, but someone that you and I have both spoken to recently, I, I remember ex kind of describing, she's like, well, you know, what does he do? And I said, well, here's the thing you have to know about Steve is he has this ability of like, he understands the, I call it the, the enterprise or the corporate side of the way our industry works. You know, you, you talk that language, you, you've lived in that world and yet you're also, the way I described it is I said, but he knows what I do. Like me as an agent who is trying to run a business different than most agents for sure. But as, but still as a realtor, who's running a real estate sales team, he talks my language. And for whatever reason, you're, you've been the guy who I always think of that can sort of bridge the gap between those two. Cause there's how many times have you seen it? Steve is where as an agent on the ground floor, like we know what it takes to get things done, like maybe a deal done or how to, how things happen on the ground floor. And that doesn't always line up with what say a tech company wants to do or any sort of, you know, institution, like you mentioned banks earlier, there's gotta be a way for us to come together. And you, for whatever reason, you've always been the guy to be able to go, Hey, Hey, other side, this is what the other side's thinking. And this is how they behave. And this is how to, how to optimize performance. Did that, did that come natural for you? Is that more out of your experience? Tell me, tell me when I say that to you, what do you think? Um, I, I use a term and that, thank you for that. That's a very nice thing to say. I use a term that says, um, you got to be able to speak main street and wall street. You can't just speak one or the other. Right. And unfortunately, Kevin, you and I've been part of this. A lot of wall street money with very smart people cannot figure out a way to communicate to main street where it works. And then the problem with a lot of main street guys is they don't want to play. What is sometimes a wall street game? And look, they have to have compliance. They have to have risk mitigation. They have to have, you know, um, probably unnecessary over discussions of things that are easy. But the reality is, if you don't be able to speak both, the genius is in bridging that gap. 
Okay, and, and part of my world today is I get a lot of inquiry from Wall Street entities saying, hey, come do X with us or Y with us or Z with us. And I'm always saying, well, it's got to translate to Main Street for me. I would never go back and do a Wall Street only gig. I have no desire. I love to play at Main Street level. Now, I can help Main Street when I can bring a Wall Street money, depth, scale, um, you know, size. I can bring that to a Main, a Main Street partner. You can make some magic if you can do that. But the problem is they keep doing these things that miss, right? And you and I have seen it. We'll see something come out and go, that's going to be sexy for a year or two until it runs out of money, but it doesn't translate to Main Street. And I've seen good Main Street ideas that can't ever get to Wall Street because they can't communicate in such a way that they want to engage in this model. Yeah, yeah, it's it's uh, that's that's true. We see it all the time, and um, it, it's always fascinating to me how people that it's like we have these two sides in your words, mainstream and Wall Street, that genuinely want to work together and yet have such a hard time doing so, right? Um, and it's it's always well. How do you think you've? Why do you think you've been able to bridge that gap? Like, how have you been able to uh, overcome that? Where where clearly a lot of other people haven't. Well, I think one, I always chose to stay in the field. Um, and, and it's no disrespect. I know a lot of great Wall Street executives, but they're, they're not in the field. Their ear is not to the ground. Uh, I am a sales guy at heart. I am someone who believes that sales is critical for any business to be successful. You have to be able to sell. And to sell something, you have to have an ear to the consumer. You've got to be listening. I got to be able to sit with a guy like Kevin Kaufman and go, okay, brother, I am here. I understand that's a pain point for you. I've got three things I'd like to have you look at with me that might be able to solve that. And if you're not at field level in front of the customer listening to what happens, you have problems. And Kevin, here's the problem with the successful Main Street. There's a lot of successful Main Street entities. There's success blinders. Oh, one year, two years, three years, five now I'm eight years. We've had a real estate market that's gone like this. Everybody's making a ton of money. You can be a total dipshit and be making a ton of money right yeah. now. And you can be pretty good and be making a ton of money right now. But your success blinders get longer. You know how see your blinders get longer? You don't see the skirmishes on the side. Yeah. You don't see the little chaos here. Now, you know what's funny? Ah, it doesn't affect me. I'm winning. I'm winning. I'm winning. Then you wake up and open doors with $14 billion. Then you wake up and EXP, which people made fun of penny stock didn't work now worth nine billion dollars depending on the day i'm telling you right now there are a lot of skirmishes happening on the side that large entities aren't paying attention to that they're going to wake up one day and go what the heck happened here that group's worth more than my company that's coming and it's coming fast and you and i both see it yeah you know at the the rate that things um change and come in today's you know today's marketplace i mean not even just in real estate but just the way the whole world is accelerated with technology like it, everything that is coming is coming in like to your point it is coming fast um you know what let me ask you is that is that because what we all know that success is never a great teacher and yet so many of us and i know that you have and i have too as well to, to extents like we still fall into that trap but, but you know, you and I are not necessarily running companies that are worth 10 or $15 billion today or, or even more. How does that still keep happening to people that are who you know are smart? Because you don't get to that point if you're not smart, right? I think the reality is, it's like you said, a victim of your own success. I've always done it. It's always worked. This is it. Now, remember, those things are like that 
gradual, 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 suddenly until they're not. Yeah. And let's think about this, right? Um, there are still great travel agents available, but there's very few of them. Yep. And they're great, right? Um, if people aren't careful, the real estate space has got too much money in it trying to consumerize it. And if, if people, I always say this, Steve, there's 1.7 million realtors. Here's the reality. There's really not. There's 512,000 that do four deals or more. There's literally 55,000 that do 49 deals or more. So there's 59,000 people that basically are running real estate at a level that you can make a really good living and not dabbling, not paying for your vacations, not just something to do because the other spouse is working or but actually making business at it. And the truth is the other numbers, all that ancillary kind of onesie twosie, that's all being eaten away. Yeah. And it's being eaten away because I got news for you. Zillow's worth $28 billion. They are, they are firing the fight. Compass is coming public. Open doors, public offer pad. Just now they're going public. SPACs are going to take all these guys. When you have public money, you know how long you can be wrong for and still make a ton of money. A while. A long time. Yeah. Yeah. So I think the thing is with success is get out of your chair, your comfort zone, and go back in the field and listen. Don't just dismiss because we we want to defend what we are, right? Oh, that doesn't matter. That's a little tiny company. It doesn't work. I used to do this in Fidelity all the time. That's a little company. I'm not worried about them. You know, then you wake up and that little company is not so little anymore. Then you wake up and there are 35 JVs running around. Then you wake up and there are 10 new models and brokerage occurring, right? There are things we got to start paying attention to because they're getting bigger. And I'm in 20 markets. I see what's working in each market. And there's a lot of similarity. And the people with the influence, the elite teams like yourself and Fred, the people you and I know, Andrew Franklin, Jimmy Franklin, these guys, they're going to continue to have more influence, which allows them more engagement into ancillary. And that's where the risk is. And that's why you just saw today, Side as a brokerage got $150 million of funding. Did you see that today? No, I had not seen that. I, uh, that's that, direct. Wow. It's a direct result, Kevin. It's a direct result of what EXP's done. Dang. EXP's now worth seven, eight billion. These guys side, they are four agents. They're a tech platform. They white label it. Their logo's this big. The team logo's this big. $150 million because someone said, you know what? This idea makes sense. It's like the other one that's working, EXP. Let's try this. You're going to see more and more money being thrown at this. And again, it just eats away at the fringes, right? Yeah, it does. And to disregard it doesn't make sense. Yeah, you know, when, and you know, we, we, you and I get the chance to, to see each other regularly. And so you were kind of there uh, as, as Fred and I were going through the, through the transition and um, some of our, some of our mutual friends have, you know, been saying, you know, the agents are getting disrupted and, and there's no disputing, like things are changing. Um, but something Fred and I have talked about so much for the last couple of years is yeah, they are. And, and really, but I think it's the brokerage model that has really gotten the most disrupted over the last couple of years and has continued to be, that's where the, you know, the biggest amount of, of room for, for disruption is currently. And I think we're going to continue to see that. And I mean, side pulling in that kind of money is a, you know, it's it's further proof well, of that. And, and think about it, Kevin. And this is why this is, you tell me who agree with this. I think that you're right. The broker is the most. You know why? It's the least influential in the equation. Yep, it really is. I mean, notice no disrespect to the broker, but elite agents or teams can go leave, and they can be successful in lots of places. 
right? What EXP and Keller Williams, these guys figured out was, hey, let's make it about the agent. I mean, the guy you were previously with, Gary, did a great job of making yeah. sure it was about the agent, right? Glenn has made it, let's make it about the agent. The broker model of pay me 20, 30, 40% for all the things that I'm going to try to do, that's a harder model now. And there are some really good, I know a couple of really good C21 brokers. Terry Atlanta, amazing, worth, absolutely worth it. But I know a lot more bad ones than I do good ones. And that makes that, that, that program vulnerable at the broker level. Because to your point, when you're the least influential in a real estate space, you're ripe for disruption. Yeah. When you're, when you've got the least amount of influence, that means you, you are the most vulnerable for sure. And 100%. it's, it's pretty clear. I mean, look, KW is built on it. EXP has been built on it. And, and there are, there's probably other examples, but these are the two easiest where, Hey, the, the agents are the ones with the influence, with the consumers, with, with main street, you know, in, in your terminology. And so let's, let's garner that and. Any, most of these companies that still, you know, the companies that haven't caught up with that, I think are definitely getting their, you know, they're getting their learning lessons now for sure. No, no doubt about that. And they will continue and, to. And Kevin, wait till the market drops 20%. See right now you can lose a point or two in market share. You don't even feel it because, oh, we made so much money because everybody's profits were up. Expenses were down. Travel was down, but transactions were way up. Wait till the market gets back to normal and you, it goes down 20%. So, and now all of a sudden, You've looked at two points of market share and 20%. That gets loud fast. Yeah. It's, and, and the bigger you are, the bigger, like the more of an impact that that makes. Um, mm -hmm. Speaking of that, so because you you get to talk to other agents and and other other you know brokers and whatnot around the country. But what are you what is your sense? I mean, you and I recording this what it's the end of March, basically 2021. What's your what what's your sense of what's going on? I'm I'm not gonna hold you to uh crystal ball prediction here or anything, but like as you think about the next six months and and even a year plus, like what do you what do you feel is 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 most likely to happen, if anything, over the next over the coming year or two? I think the next nine months of this year is already pipelined, barring COVID 2.0 or God forbid a plane hits a building or something like that. This year's already set and going to be great. It will be, you know, the only challenge will be inventory, but it'll be so transactional. It'll still run. It'll still go. People are still moving businesses that are moving, making people move. That's this year is going to be fantastic. It'll be within two or 3% of last year. Next year. Now I'd watch the first quarter with very open eyes. Right. And I think from the industry side of this, for all of our industry listeners, um, you're going to see the skirmish and the things on the side start to move forward and be more disruptive. I mean, you're gonna see Zillow go become a broker with some tenacity is my instinct. You're gonna see Compass go get public money, Open Door who had asked public money. They're gonna go get in this fight for real and start you know, engaging in it. And that's gonna create more disruption in the broker space because they're all gonna to wanna to be brokers. They all have leads, they all have a model that creates consumer engagement and direct to B2C consumers. You're gonna see the industry get a little shook, not this year, first quarter-ish of next year is where it will get louder, right? And that's what's going to happen. Remember, Zillow wasn't an iBuyer because they wanted to be. It was because Open Door took eyeballs and some consumer engagement and they got into iBuying. They yeah. don't necessarily, they're not good at it. They don't love it, but they got to do it because they got to protect their consumer engagement. Otherwise, they'd give that whole thing to Open Door. Yeah, no, no doubt, no doubt about it. What you know, if you could, I get to hear some of the stuff because we, you know, being in your inner circle and, and having these mastermind conversations, but for the listeners, um, 
who, you know, maybe they're out there, they're running a team, whether it's, you know, our size or, or bigger or, or even an independent agent, like what are the things that put yourself in my shoes or in the, or in the shoes of the listener who, who's running a real estate business? What are the things that you would be thinking about, you know, not just for the rest of this year, but, you know, looking out in your actual kind of tactical business, if you will, as a salesperson uh, on the real estate side? I would first make the acquisition of human capital my number one, number one business objective, period, end of story. I got to go get human talent because this will always be relationship-based business, a people-to-people business, human talent. Now, I would use the other spokes like being able to create leads, bringing warm leads in, giving them a good CRM, creating a culture of of accountability and acceptance and love that they want to be part of. But I would make acquiring human capital and talent my whole focus for the next 12 to 18 months. Because I think the person that wins that race in real estate wins the whole race. And I think people that get married at the Wall Street tech level to their model or their widget or whatever their new version of 2.0 is, that won't win it. I'm sorry, it's not enough. But that person that has something good or decent here and goes and gets really strong, talented human capital, that together group could go win it. So I'd make human capital my focus, Kevin. I'd go find a way to get enough leads in the door, help these guys get connected to that business. Um, And then I'd also be on the lookout for as these new things come out, don't buy every new story you get told. Have your eyes open. Real estate's riddled with money that's been wasted on things that will never work. So watch it. Have a look at it. See if it makes sense. I mean, I remember short sales. Remember, you oh, you're wasting time, Kevin. You'll never close these. How many short sales did you and Fred close over a three-year period? Yeah, we, we probably closed a thousand or so. Agree, at least, right? Yeah. Um, now you're going to see more and more people come into this space. Find the niches you can play in, right? And the key will be if you have talent and you've got a way to deliver leads and you have accountability and you have a great culture, people would love to be part of it. Those groups are going to really start to make a difference because the agent doing six to eight deals a year with no real system or model, just kind of selling friends and family houses, if that person wants to stay in real estate, they got to be part of a team. Find the talented ones and engage them. Yeah, yeah, you know that. Um, when you started, when you said that, it it just feels um, that feels like really sound sage advice. Like you know, I can remember someone who um, shared something with me, and I think maybe I think maybe this person forgot their own advice. Uh, but their advice was effectively the same thing as like, that can happen. Like you, you really got to have the most talented, the best people around you because models and all those other things can change and market dynamics can change. But when you've made acquiring, I think you said talent acquisition, acquiring talent as like your, you know, your North star, so to speak, you're going to be, you're going to be in good shape in the long run. hundred percent. And that's why, I always see this, you know, my model will win out. Well, it depends on your people. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You can have a great model, but if you have bad people, then it doesn't, it's not going to win out. If you churn people over, if you have people that don't get it, et cetera, all of those things create risk. Right. And as you and I've learned, I got really talented people and I take care of them and I build a big enough, you know, culture, vision, infrastructure, money, pay for them. I can do a lot of things, but if I keep having people churn in and out, can't stay and I can't keep getting down to people because there's a lot of people right now looking for different careers that real estate's a great career for someone. It's not a great job because it's hard, but if it's a career long-term in a team with a partnership, building something, 
man, you can make a great career out of real estate. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. Well, so Steve, let me ask you this. Um, I know you, you don't always work with, you know, you, you've made it really clear. You work, you work with the best of the best. Um, and you've, you've built a really great network for the people that are going, okay, we well, have, yeah, what does that mean? Or how do I learn more about what Steve's doing? Um, is there a particular way, better way for people to kind of find you or, or kind of learn more about what you're doing with rise and, and just kind of some of the insights and things that you share? Look, um, I always, I only reason I say I don't work with the others, Kevin, because I, I wouldn't be good at it for what we have, right? Right. Um, but here's the reality. In real estate, it, it, you first decide, you know, we all do the same thing. I want to get into real estate. I can do my own thing. Lie. I can, you know, kind of set my hours. Also lie, right? You get into real estate because you love people. Now, in any business, systems don't fail people. People fail systems. Get a CRM. Get a conscious way you're going to communicate. Get comfortable with the phone and technology. And I don't mean you have to buy a bunch of tech, but you and I both know, use social media. You have to be able to use a Facebook app. You have to be able to use an Instagram app. You have to be able to use a LinkedIn app, right? Get comfortable with the tech that's already exists that you can plug into and get good at. And then find a mentor, a mastermind group to be part of. I mean, go on next level agents. Go do, you know... Uh, Tristan Ahumada's deal, which is lab code agent. Go do these things. You can get all kinds of people who will give advice. Now, here's the thing. The higher level the mastermind you're in, the better advice you get. Why I like things like Next Level is I'm talking to guys that do deals. I'm talking yeah. to guys that do business, right? So when I ask a question, I don't, I don't ever ask a guy for good marriage advice that's been divorced four times. I'll ask him for advice about you know, what you did each time to get divorced. But I'm not looking for good marriage advice. I just would take advice. Real estate, same way. Talking to somebody who sells eight homes a year, not going to help you sell more homes. Talking to somebody selling 80 and then 800, that will. And so, and real estate, I don't know about you, Kevin, but I think from the time we started 15 years ago to now, there's so many more national networks you can plug into with so much more value. Before it was really your brokerage, right? Yeah, it was Gary's was it. mastermind, basically. And now you've got all these national networks and people that can be part of things. I love it because I can always find a really good partner mentor discussion with someone super smart that you couldn't find 10, 15 years ago if you look for it. Yeah, gosh, that's that's true and and really solid advice. Like when I hear that, I think be careful or and pay attention to who you're hanging out with, right? The law, law of proximity, whether it's like you're you're actually physically close and in the same building together uh, every single day or the people that you're talking to, you mentioned the Franklins um, who are partners of ours. We probably talk to you daily. Just keep, you know, be really careful about who's in that inner circle, right? Well, and I think I love, what I love about you is you're top grading your inner circle Always. all the time, right? People, I'm friends with my friends from high school, but they're not my mentors. They're not my tribe. They're not my, they, on Facebook, we say, hey, what's up? They come out, we spend time. The people I spend time with are the people that I'm always trying to, I want to be the dumbest, least wealthy guy in every room that I'm going into, which means I've got to be top grading who I spend time with. Yep. And it's work. And you have to say, as you know, Kevin, no to a lot of things. And that's why when someone calls me and I just really impassioned young lady call, hey, it's myself and my daughter. We really want, I go, I'm not a good first answer for you guys. Go join a team, go do these things. And then 
we could talk. I don't have anything that's going to be good for you because I don't know how to teach that well. I can teach guys like you that have, you know, infrastructure set, a couple of buyer's agents, a couple of showing agents, listing it. let's go build stuff. I can do that. And I'm really good at knowing what things I can use to help you win. At the end of the day, um, real estate is going to, you're going to see the same thing you've seen in America, the shrinkage and dilution of the middle class. The agents that are doing a very few deals will join a team. The guys doing 10 to 18 deals are either going to have to become a team or be a member of one. But the, the, the groups that are coming in, interceding in the consumer, all this money, you've got what we got, Kevin, 12 SPACs taking real estate companies public in the next 12 months. Yeah. 12. It's, it's big. Now, there's not 12 great new ideas coming up. There's going to be a billion dollars spent in SPACs bringing things to real estate. Some of that will stick and they'll pull deals from other people. Yeah. Right. To your and point, that's going to. It doesn't have to be 12 great ideas because there, there's so much money there that they can, it can be a couple of them are terrible and we won't even know, like we might know right away, but they won't realize it for a while until after some damage has kind of already been done and, you know, some cheese has been moved. Think about it, Kevy. A 20% drop that's coming. Now you take transactions, drop them 20. A lot of people are hurt. Now you take transactions, drop 20 with open door. Who's like, we're going to expand our buy box because we have to buy because we got $14 billion. Well, if open door expands theirs, Offerpad, who just got announced as a SPAC when public, has to expand theirs. Oh, and then Zillow's got to do theirs. Then the other broker's like, well, we got, we got to pick a fight here too. Now there's all this fighting for less transactions. It just gets harder for people that don't have systems, don't have tactical concepts, accountability, structure, a business that actually is wired for real estate. That puts a lot of those people in jeopardy. Absolutely. All right, Steve. Uh, that Man, that was solid. By the way, I hope, uh, I can't wait to go back and re-listen to this because you dropped some really good points there. Um, as we wrap up, let me ask you this. What what, what didn't I ask you? Like, what didn't we talk about that we should have that um, you think should be on our minds as we're, you know, as we're going out into uh, doing whatever it is we do next? Uh, permission to request a selfish plug, if that's okay. Yes, absolutely. So I just finished my second book. It's called From the Court to the Closing Table, A Journey of Failing Forward. And in that, I talk about the seven intangibles that, that need to be rated for success. Everybody talks about tangibles both in athletics and in business, right? Tangibles are, what's your vertical leap, Steve? What's your 40 time? How much do you branch? How tall are you? What's your weight? You know, all uh, oh, that's tangible. In business, it's like, oh, what school did you go to? What's your degree in? Um, you know, is your family in the business? Did they help get you? Do you have a name in this? Those are all tangibles. Intangibles are things like understanding the very best about not listening to anybody telling you you can't do something about understanding that work ethic can make up for a ton, a lack of intelligence, a lack of IQ, a lack of understanding. Work ethic can overcome all of those if applied in your space. So I've got this book that comes out. It's just been printed. I'm launching it in two weeks time. Anybody in your podcast that wants one, just hit me up. I'll send you a free copy. I'm not going to charge you for it. You can have it. If you listen to this podcast, I listen to Kevin and Fred's podcast. You were on it, you get a free copy. But the intangibles, if you're looking to hire people, acquire people, build something of any relevance, the intangibles of people and knowing what to look for is critical for getting the best human capital. That's awesome, man. I, I can't wait to get a, get a copy of that myself. Tell me the name one more time. From the court, like basketball, to the closing table. So my it. journey. Oh. 
I love it. All right, guys, we'll, we'll get you uh, a link on how to, how to reach out to Steve on that. And um, I would just, as somebody who's had the opportunity to be around Steve quite a bit over the last decade plus, I'll tell you, um, there's a lot of lessons to be learned from the conversations he's had and um, the experiences he's had. So you're, you're going to want to check that out for sure. Steve, I just want to say thanks a lot for taking the time today, my man. I appreciate you, uh, not just as a business partner, but as a friend and taking the time out for us today. Congrats on all your success, Kevin. Appreciate you guys. Be good. Thank you. Right back at you, brother. We'll talk to you soon. Today's episode is brought to you by Kevin and Fred's community at EXP Realty. Learn why over 1,000 real estate agents joined EXP Realty last week. Join us for an informational webinar this Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific time. Register at intro to intro2exprealty.com.